It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the 11th day of March 2021, we are bringing in Eric and H-Town from Locked On Astros to talk about what? What do you think? We're talking about the Strohs and the, well, let's be very kind and call it an interesting year, no matter what, that's coming up in 2021. And I promise I'll be nice. This show is available on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app or wherever you get your podcasts. At home during these still, let's just be kind and call them interesting times. Be sure to be smart and talk to your smart device and say, hey, play podcast Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Fantasy Baseball with Scott Cullen, or Locked On Today with the great Peter Bukowski, or hey, why not Locked On Astros with Eric and H-Town? You can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On MLB Pod. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, as promised, as part of the goodwill tour of me being naughty about talking about the Houston Astros. We're bringing in the two guys who I'm proud to call my internet friends talking about the Houston Astros and their quest to make it four straight times to the American League Championship Series. Easy for you to say. Would have been, this would have been a chance at five times out of six if the Astros could have held on to a lead against Kansas City in 2015, but that's a completely different uh, Band-Aid to pull from Harry Arm. We're bringing on Eric Heisman and H-Town from Locked On Astros. How are you guys doing? We are doing fine. And don't forget, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On Astros and MLB sent you. And you can find me at Locked On, sorry, not Locked On Astros. You can find me at Eric Tuckstros. And Brett, where can they find you at? They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter. They can find me at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs. And Sully, hey, yes, oh, you, you, did, you did create a little stir in Astros Nation the other day I with did. the whole uh, I did. Foo Nation. Uh, we're not going to talk I about did. it. We're not going to talk about nope. it today. But. Do you know what? I say take all that stuff, put it in a trash can, and we won't even talk about it. <laughs> we really? But- really, Sully? <laughs> All right, only one, only one. I swear. And hey, hey, just because of that, just because of that, uh, uh, H Town, you were telling me uh, we're plugging stuff. By the way, we here in the Lockdown Podcast Network can only speak in plugs. Um, but I will say that as I'm mowing down on this built bar, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you were telling me before about your mass and every and your Astros four one all the stuff? Because I think you're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, you know, um, I have a I have a Facebook page um, that actually someone else started to hand it off to me back in 2018 called Stroh's 411. We have about 20, we have about 32,000 followers. Um, we we are all over the place, and we just launched a shop that people can go to. And if you go to the Stroh's 411 Twitter page, you can see the link to the shop. What's cool is a local business that a couple started that they've got they've got three young boys. They reached out to me and they said, "Hey, we have a brick and mortar print shop." We want to partner with you. We have Astros accessories. We have hats. We have shirts. We have our slogan that fans pick called unfinished business on the back. And they can purchase masks because we know when the Astros bring fans in that they're probably going to require masks. So why not wear a Strohs 411 mask? So check out the Strohs 411 Twitter account. You'll see the link to the shop. Go by. If you're in the Houston area, if you're near Katy, you can pick it up for free in store or you can pay an extra shipping cost and they'll ship it right to your front door, even out to California. All right. Well, look at, all right. Anything else we want to plug? That's no, great stuff. I think it's really great. And, and uh, 
you know, it, it looks like Texas is opening stuff. I'm not going to put any commentary on that right now. But if you are going to go in Astros game, go to Astros 411. Be smart, cover your face, and cheer on your team. And I and I will note, and as I said on the podcast before, uh, despite the little uh, uh, Molotov cocktail that I threw a couple of days ago, I will never, ever tell an Astro fan to not love their team, to not root their team and not to wear out their whatever, however you watch videos these days of 2017. Absolutely. Now I'm not going to talk about any controversy. I'm because the present day without any of that is weird enough because I'm having a hard time. And one of the reasons I want to have you guys on here, uh, other than to extend an olive branch. But one of the reasons I want to have you guys on here is it's I'm very confused by the outlook of the American League as a whole. I talked about on this podcast that it's starting to remind me of what the National League looked like in 2007, where the Diamondbacks had the best record of the National League with 90 wins and a negative run differential. So 90 wins was the Everest of the National League that year, but there also were no 100 loss teams. Every team, you know, you the the Padres and Mets were one game out of the playoffs and one game away from having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And so it was so jam-packed that it basically was get in, get hot, and then that's how you got the Rockies. You may have that in the American League this year. Because I don't see a dominant American League team, but I also don't see a 110-loss disaster looming either. Maybe someone might say Detroit, but I don't see one team that's just going to be horrific like that or great. And I think that's good for the Astros, quite frankly. But the Astros seem to be the consensus pick for the American League West, and that I don't understand. So... Let me tell me what you're thinking about going into 2021, what, what it looks like for you. Yeah, definitely. I think going into 2021, the Houston Astros, I'll just start here and then let, let Eric, um, you know, piggyback the uh, 2021 season. Um, the Astros are picked anywhere between, I think, 92 and 97 wins in most betting lines. And I think they can achieve that because of not a super strong division, but it all depends on the health of the pitching, how Lance McCullers does. Um, Eric, what do you want to add to that? Where do you think that we see the Astros going this year for 2021? Well, to kind of go off what Sully was saying, I feel like there has been a mass exodus of talent as a whole going to the NL. I feel like the uh, the mass, uh, the power teams are in the NL. We have the NL uh, West, you have the Padres, you have the Dodgers, uh, and then uh, some would say, uh, what's the other team I'm thinking of? Uh, I think Atlanta, San Atlanta, Diego, St. San Louis. Diego. Yeah, I think those are all, all would be the best yeah. teams in the American League by far. Yeah, and then you have some good teams in the AL, in the NL East, but they're not, like you said, they're not the dominant teams we've seen in the past. The Red Sox are not going to be that dominant team. The, the Yankees no. are a good team but they, they're not going to be that dominant team. They, they don't have the same pitching staff. Uh, then you're, the, the Orioles, they're not going to be that bad team anymore. They're, they're kind of up and coming. Uh, we'll have to see what the Blue Jays do. They still have a lot of young talent, but they have George Springer. We'll see what he has to do. But they, they have a lot of young talent, and uh, uh, they, we'll see what they do. The, in the Central, that's, that's what's curious, to see what happens with the Central and especially with the White Sox, the White Sox could turn into uh, they remind me of the 2015 Astros, a team that could come out of nowhere and kind of surprise a lot of people, even though they're a good team. Uh, some people may say their pitching staff may not be there yet, but the Astros are definitely the best. We're, we're, I was talking to Jason Burke yesterday of the Lockdown A's podcast, and mm-hmm. he, he still thinks that the A's are, are going to finish on top of the West, but he said it was a 92 to 90 uh, like wins for the Astro, the A's and Astros. And I said 95 to like 93. Neither one of us said 100. 
Like, no, and I, yeah. I, I'm leaning towards Oakland right now. That's not a slam against the Astros. I was like, oh, because you hate the Astros. No, I, 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 I'm leaning towards Oakland uh, because I think they have, not that I think they're a powerhouse team, I just think they have fewer uh, question marks or fewer glaring holes in right. than, than Houston at this point. But um, to, to the point that uh, I had on, we were talking a lot about the, the, the Twins and the White Sox over the last couple of days on the podcast. And I, this is going to sound weird. I, like, I think those are the two most complete teams in the American League right now. And not that I think that they're super teams. I just think they're the ones with the few, they're the ones with the fewest glaring holes. That's almost how I'm looking at it. It's not who has the great strengths, but who has the fewest weaknesses. And there's a difference. It's sort of like you make sure like, okay, this is not, I don't think the twins or the white Sox are particularly great at any one place, but I look at that and go like, Oh, but they got that checked off. And now oh, at least the major leaguers there. And there are teams, you mentioned the Yankees, um, they, and I've said this several times for their starting pitchers combined for three more outs than I threw last year. And you're banking that all of them are going to be coming through and why they let Tanaka walk. I have absolutely no idea. That was absolute madness. Um, the Blue Jays have talent. They made some nice moves, but there's some holes on that team. The Rays obviously have talent, but they've let some players walk. The Indians can pitch, but can they hit? And of course you have, the, the main thing that's going in the Astros' favor, in my opinion, is you have two of the most incompetent organizations in sports playing in your division, where the Angels have been given a descendant of Hercules to play on their team, and they can't even put a 500 team around them, and the Mariners are bragging that they're not putting their best team on the field. How's that working out for you? And so the fact that you have those two, you're the only competition. Texas has some talent, but they're probably two or three years away. Um, the only competition the Astros have is is Oakland, realistically. So I think that that's the main thing that's going in their favor. But the, the point I was trying to make about 2007 is, and this is a great hope for the Astros, is 90 wins gets you in the postseason. May even get you home field advantage. And get to that level and take your chances. You know, hope you get hot at the right time. And I think the Astros are, really should bank on that. I said, our goal is 90. If we can get to 90, we're in. And because there's not going to, this is not going to be a year like a few years ago where the Indians won 90 or 91 games. I don't remember which one and missed the playoffs altogether. There's not that kind of strength in the American League this year. No, yeah, I would have to agree with that. I know that with with um, you know, Frimber Valdez going down was was a big blow because there was a lot of talk about him being kind of a sleeper candidate or even a top ten finisher for the for the Cy Young yeah. um, because of the stuff. Um, you know, we did sign Jake Odorizzi, which I I think Jake Odorizzi is a great signing. I think what they what they're paying him, it's a great deal for the Astros. Odorizzi didn't quite get what he was looking for, but he got almost to that point. And um, I just saw his, um, his interview and he, he was saying that basically that he said, this is a new chapter. He goes, he goes, we're excited about being in Houston and with Brent Strong and the pitching coach staff, the, the coaching staff they have for these pitchers is key. And so we know, or we have confidence in the fact in Houston that we have the offense to go out there and take the field and hit. We've got, I think it's just about as strong as offense as anybody in the AL. But, but again, the question mark, the young guys, the younger pitchers, the new guys, the Stanics, the C-Shack, all these guys, are they going to not only make the roster, but if they make the roster, are they going to be difference makers? Cause you have Joe Smith, Ryan Presley looks sharp. Um, you know, how is that Grinky going to do? come June, July, is he going to be back to old Grinky a couple years ago, vintage Grinky where, um, you know, he is composed because he's more in a routine. He's more in a regular season. And I think he's going to look sharper because of that, because he's a, he's a creature of habit. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. We've got some young guys um, like Peter Solomon. Um, I don't, I don't know that many of the younger pitchers are going to make their way up. But watch for Peter Solomon. He may be a name of someone who surprises and comes up out of the minor leagues at some point and makes a difference 
um, as a reliever. Well, and I got to just got to say, I mean, the whole idea of you, you have to get Grinky back to some semblance because otherwise, you know, the Astros making it to the postseason may be a long, long shot bet. And if you're going to do any betting, you should go to bet online, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports teams. Now, look, football may be over, but we got college basketball, the NHL. They're all in full swing. Baseball's right around the corner. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV for some reason. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, odds. It's the best place to put your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is your online sportsbook expert promo code locked on hey we're covering everything you need to know about major league baseball today we're what about the rest of sports now the locked on podcast network has you covered there as well as with locked on today it's hosted by the great peter bukowski your pal sully's been on the show a couple of times and it's been covering all the sports and it's the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes Follow Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. Hey, we're here with H-Town and Eric of Locked On Astros, and they just made the prediction that the Astros are going to win 115 games and sweep the World <laughs> Series. So go to Bet Online and liquidate your 401k, and if they lose, blame them. So um, yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit because uh, Framber Valdez's injury was the one that was the most alarming, lest we forget Valdez, uh, he pitched well last year. Uh, he really, I mean, look at, he came out, he was, if there was an MVP of the wild card series, I guess, it was him that he came, he pitched the final five innings of game one. The entire conversation about the Astros last year would have been completely different if the Twins got one or two hits with the bases loaded in that first game because if the Twins won that game and put the Astros on their heels, it probably would have been Minnesota would have won. The Twins were put on their heels by Valdez, who pitched like an ace. And he wound up pitching, uh, um, he wound up winning his start and pitched very, very well against Oakland. And he won a start against Tampa Bay. He was one of the Astros MVPs of the postseason last year and was, was kind of a you know for someone like a schmuck like me looking at him from afar going like well maybe the Astros are going to be all right if they got these young pitchers like this who are coming in to fill in the void but if he's gone I don't know how long he's gone and you don't know what condition he's going to be when he comes back uh talk me through what we've got left the the bringing in uh Odorizzi was more of an act of necessity that they needed to have a physical major league pitcher pitching in the rotation. But the, the days of Verlander and Cole and Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton are gone. And so what are we looking at with this pitching staff? And if you ask uh, James Click, this was not something that they decided because of Valdez's injury. This is something that they've been working on for a few weeks. They've been having this discussion. Oh, I believe and, that. I believe that. Yeah. 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 So this is uh, yeah. something. Yeah. So. Uh, but it, right, but it, was, it was expedited. Sure, it was yeah. expedited yes. because of the need. Yes. They, they, they right. was, it was something they wanted. And then suddenly it was something they needed. And right. so, you know. So, yeah. Valdez last year stepped up because of Verlander. So this year they need somebody to step up and be that guy whether that be Christian Javier, even though he was a starter last year, he pitched extremely well. Mm -hmm. He needs to step it up and become that, uh, that from Valdez from last year, give you six or seven innings or somebody like that, or you need somebody uh, else to step up. But I think the Astros really need uh, Lance McCullers to really become that dominant pitcher that he's supposed to be. Uh, He, he had his ups and downs last year. I know that, um, he kind of came on our podcast recently and said that a few, uh, I believe it was in 2016 season, he really tried to come back too soon or tried to pitch through injury and he ended up hurting himself a little bit more. He's always tried to try too hard, but he's in a good place right now. 
He's he feels like he's ready to go out there and uh, become that ace. And he really wants to stay in Houston. So uh, the Astros aren't re really ready to give him that long term deal. But if he has a good season this year, he's willing to stay in Houston. So I think that uh, Valdez had a chance to start opening day if he was healthy. We don't know how long he's out. That's what's scary. The yeah. Astros have not come out and said, hey, um, we he may be out three weeks. We don't know. So that's what's scary. They finally came out and said Forrest Whitley is having a surgery. So the Astros do have poor, a deep guy. rotation. Yeah, the, he can't catch a break. But the Astros have a deep I rotation. Know. Just imagine if Valdez is healthy uh, at some point this year. Mm -hmm. Just uh, That means Christian Javier goes in bullpen. And I know it's a pipe dream, but just imagine if somehow Justin Verlander deep, deep, deep later on in the season, it manages to come back. I don't know if uh, he will, but some people have said that maybe he comes back in postseason. I, I don't see that happening. But the Astros have some – I, I can um, imagine Sandra Bullock in love with me too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I – the, the – um, yeah, McCullers is really in some ways – and please take this the right way. This not, I guess, pun intended or not pun intended, is really the wild card for this team. And, you know, he pitched – he was an all-star when they won the World Series in 2017. I mean, he, he, it's kind of strange that he was, but, I mean, he was very, very good that first half. Unless we forget, you know, he was the one who got the save when they clinched the World Series uh, – the clinched the uh, um, ALCS. Yes. Against the – he pitched, was it, like a three or four-inning save? Mm -hmm. One of those – I love those saves, by the way. That is an earned save. When you pitch, you know, you know that's – you know, I don't know if you heard – I did a podcast where I was saying, look at if we're going to start restricting our aces to five innings, then bring him in as the headliner and say, bring him in in the fifth. So you like, you know, you got to get your runs in early because here comes the headliner headlining your team. And they pitched the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. And, uh, you know, <laughs> to me, that would be kind of an interesting way of handling, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, a healthy Framber Valdez. What's the deal with her? I mean, forgive me, I didn't do my homework on this part. What's the deal with her? Kitty is he is he toast? The guy who looked yeah. like he was going to be the next great pitcher when they were in the World Series against Washington? No, he's good. Um, I think um, he said early on that he looks to throw over 200 innings this year. I mean, he wants that. Um, he threw um, two and a third innings in the game today, he did give up three runs and three hits, but he also had three strikeouts. Um, he hasn't looked particularly sharp, but I think mm -hmm. given some time and getting a little warm up, you know, giving him some time to take off and get off the tarmac, get into flight. I think Urquidy comes in. He has kind of that, kind of that bulldogish type mentality where he's yeah. real quiet as a, as a person, but his stuff is there and his stuff is good. Um, like Eric said, I think the catalyst this year is Lance McCullers Jr. Um, Lance McCullers Jr. is throwing a changeup that looks better than it's ever looked. If you go back and look at his start from the day before on Tuesday, um, his changeup looks absolutely magnificent right now. And so you get McCullers going. You get Zach, Zach Grinke doing what he does. You get Urquidy mm -hmm. doing what he does. That takes the weight off of what Oda Rizzi has to do that takes the weight off of um, Christian Javier. And I think if your front three guys can hold the line, you know, sure. and they can, they can give time and Ryan Presley comes in strong. Ryan Presley said he felt he feels better than he's felt in the last two seasons. And I, I know, but but hold hold on, hold on a second, yeah. HN. I just gotta say, who the hell comes into spring training saying, Oh man, I feel like crap. This right, is gonna be a no, long year. Right, right. Well, so, I may not make it to Memorial Day. So right. <laughs> no, that is that is a great point. That is an obvious sticking point. But I think what yeah. he was referencing was, you know, last year he still was having issues with his knee. And and, right, and right. you can ask Eric, I've never been on the Ryan Presley as our closer train, but if he comes in and he's got confidence, you got him. But if, if you don't, you've got Stanek that you brought in, you have Anoli right. Paredes that you can put there. 
Um, we have no idea Pedro Baez. He's on the IL. He's on the 10-day IL for COVID or whatever. And then Steven yeah. C. Steven C. actually has the most saves in his major league career over anybody. Um, we haven't mm-hmm. talked about Austin Pruitt. We don't know what he's going to do. Um, Blake Taylor, Andre Scrub, Brooks Raley, those guys, the Astros have a decent bullpen. Um, it's, yeah, Blake, what can Blake, the starters yeah, they, do? Yeah, and I, one thing I was wondering is if you start to see, like, look, at, I, I don't know what you're going to get out of Valdez. I don't know what you're going to necessarily get out of Urquidy. But, you know, if you get Odorizzi and Grinky. Uh, when is Grinky back? Is he? Uh, uh, what's his story? Is he? Grinky's fine. Grinky's. Okay. Yeah, he uh, just, yeah, I thought he... so. I, I I thought so, but I I thought one of you had said when he comes back. I thought, oh, is he hurt now? Did I not? Did I not hear about that? No, I mean, no. Uh, yeah, not that I just used the wrong phrase there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of that caught me off guard. I said, oh shoot, I thought I thought I would have <laughs> known that. Um, I wonder if one of the the younger arms like Javier or someone might be someone you'd put in the pen, you know, to give them a little depth there. The, you know, one thing we have to remember also, like McCullers Jr. is the grizzled veteran. Fraber Valdez is the, the new kid on the block. They're the same age. <laughs> They're the same age. So when we're asking McCullers to come back, it's not like we're asking a 35 year old dude who's like, oh man, I don't know if I have anything left in the tank. He's still in his, you know, he's still in his 20s. And so you're asking some of these people to turn the corner. Um, you guys are making me a little more optimistic about the Astros than I was when I hit recorded on this podcast. But I, I just think that there is a lot of what ifs that are going on here. Uh, I'm not 100% sold on the dominance of their bullpen, but they do have a bunch of arms who are good. They do have depth in their bullpen. And, uh, you know, this is always which comes first, you know, does, is the bullpen strong because the rotation doesn't wear them down or is the rotation good because the bullpen is always there to pick them up. Um, I think it's, it's kind of a, the best teams are the ones where it becomes a symbiotic relationship and the ones where that isn't the case are the ones where you're chewing your fingernails anytime you, you know, make a call to the bullpen. Right, exactly. Yeah, Andre Scrub is maybe one of the Astros' best relievers, and he may not even make the opening day roster just because of Steve Ciszek. So uh, they they do have a deep bullpen, uh, and they do have a whole bunch of different looks, kind of like what the Rays have done in the past. And that's what James Click has kind of initiated. Well, there you go. Well, that's, uh, you know, I just think there's a lot, as I said, there's a lot that's going on with this team that I think is really, you know, you're, you're kind of weighing the pros and cons. You're trying to say, all right, this could work. And if this does work, that's great. Um, but I don't know. I, I it's, uh, it's going to be Isn't a big that what tournament. every team does. I know, I know, but yeah. there's the, the, the swing of this is so great. You know, the swing between, is this going to be a legitimate pennant contender or is this going to be a long year? You know, are they going to be playing in October or do they have to satisfy themselves with a consolation built bar? And let me tell you something. We've been telling you about built bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now is the time to figure out which built bar is the best. And let me tell you something right now. It is built bar madness. Today's matchup is a good one. Caramel brownie up against cherry Barcia. I lean towards caramel brownie, but a lot of people love that cherry Barcia and not just the deadheads. Meanwhile, you got lemon almond cheesecake versus carrot cake with walnuts. I'm going to probably go with lemon almond cheesecake, but they're both really, really good. Make your votes. Make your decision. Have your voice heard. And guess what? Go to BuiltBar.com or at Built underscore Bar at Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become... The best tasting protein bar! Yep. 
Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help give you an advantage in your leagues. Locked on Fantasy Baseball. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy. Boom. Dynasty leagues. What? DFS. What's that? Locked on Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked on Fantasy Baseball wherever you get podcasts. Talking Astros. We got H-Town. We got Eric. We're talking here about the swing. Let's talk about the swing. first. We talk about the pitching staff. Um, There's another thing that happened with this team, and that is they do have a strong lineup, but you are removing Springer from this lineup. And that's no small feat to remove him from this team. And for reasons that I still don't understand, they didn't sign Jackie Bradley Jr. to play center field. Uh, They very smartly kept Michael Brantley, who I still think is a good, solid professional hitter and an ideal DH for this team. Um, Altuve, you got to take all the stats last year with a grain of salt, 60 games. I will say Altuve had... The strangest off, uh, strangest postseason I've seen since uh, Machado with the Dodgers, who on paper, Machado had a terrible postseason. And yet, if you actually looked at that year in the postseason, he was involved in every major Dodger rally and got a bunch of big, huge hits. He just happened to not get lots of them. And then last year in the postseason, at some moments, Altuve looked like the dominating Altuve from from before. And another time, he looked like he needed a hug. And so we're going into this year where the Astros' strength is supposedly their lineup. But in the game of Jenga, that is a lineup, taking a George Springer out, how is that going to affect the rest of the team? And how is that going to affect how dynamic and explosive the Astros offense can be. Well, you can't replace a guy like George Springer and uh, Dusty Baker is not going to try. I mean, you could have gone out and got Jackie Bradley Jr. But at the same time, you could have got, if you did that, you would put yourself, your backs against the wall and you couldn't have gone out and got Jackie Bradley. I mean, sorry, um, Jake Odorizzi. I think you needed that extra starter versus uh, what Bradley, uh, what Jackie Bradley Jr. could offer. I think Miles Straw can offer that until Pedro Leon is ready next year. And I think uh, Miles Straw can steal maybe 40, 50 bases if, if, and that's a, a lot big if, if he can get on base enough. Uh, he hasn't been given a lot of chances over his career to play a lot. When he did play last year, he uh, when George Springer wasn't leading off, Miles Straw was leading off a lot. I know in today's mm-hmm. game, Carlos Cray let off. And that was something interesting. I haven't gotten uh, to look to see if this is something that they, Dusty Baker is looking at, or was that just something he wanted to try for just a spring training game? This is something that he's going to be looking at. But I, you can't replace what George Springer did. He was the clubhouse DJ. He was the heart and soul of the team. He had the most uh, career leadoff homers um, in Astros history. I think he surpassed uh, Biggio, if I remember correctly. Uh, but uh, – you can't replace him, but at the same time, the Astros weren't going to go out and outbid everybody else because they would put themselves against the uh, backs against the wall and they couldn't go out and re- go get Michael Brantley and uh, they couldn't go out and get other players. So you can't keep them all. And I think the Astros are going to try to extend Carlos Correa, but George Springer will be missed. But I think uh, at after what happened, whatever happened last off season, where during spring training, Jim Crane said, "Oh yeah, we're, we're expecting to, uh, si- we're expecting him to sign extension," and they exchanged numbers. Don't know what happened, but somehow the two sides didn't see eye to eye, and Springer wasn't interested in resigning, and he went elsewhere. So, uh, Brett, you have anything else to say? Yeah, definitely. I think that this team where we're focused on Carlos Correa getting re-signed, um, one side note for those of y'all who don't know and don't follow the Astros closely, Altuve actually revealed that he was dealing with a personal loss last year. And um, I think it happened during the season and he didn't tell anybody. 
And so where I was under the assumption that he was so bothered by all the controversy and everything that surrounded that in him being kind of smeared and maligned um, on the on the national sports stage, that really actually wasn't it. Um, Brantley, Guriel have all testified to like Altuve looks like he's back to himself. What's key this year is someone like Yuli Guriel needs to have kind of a bounce back year. Alvarez um, too. You know, um, yeah, Kyle, yeah, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker mm-hmm. um, is one of my picks to have probably the best offensive season on this ball club. He's going to hit doubles. He's going to hit triples. He's got a live bat. He makes good contact. That smooth swing. I think Correa, if he doesn't sign a deal and extension, he's going to be motivated to showcase his talent because if the Astros aren't willing to pay him, he will go somewhere to get paid. You've got Brantley back. Um, I, I just think that this lineup has a lot of potential. Um, you know, they've been getting Pedro Leone in games, and you'll see if, if an injury happens or if they need him, there's guys like Jeremy Pena or even Pedro Leone that could make a surprise late bump up if, if the spot's there. But this is, this is the question I have and a question I posed um, to our fans, Miles Straw, does he benefit the team better or does he benefit better being a leadoff or being a number nine spot? Because if you put him in the leadoff, he gets on base, right? But if, if you have been a nine spot, does he get on base and does your leadoff hitter, does it, does it allow for more runs to be produced, whether he's at the top or at the bottom of the lineup? And I think Dusty Baker definitely has his work cut out for him offensively. I have my thoughts on Miles Straw, uh, who is obviously uh, you know young player with a lot of talent and everything like that, and he could, you know, he could fit in. He was on the team that was he on the team that went to the. I know he was on the team that lost to Boston in 2018, but was he on the team that went to the World Series? Uh, I know he was not. Doubt. You're no. thinking of Derek Fisher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Derek oh, Fisher. thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I sometimes I sometimes get some Astros players mixed up in my head and I couldn't get to baseballreference.com fast enough to to back that up. But um, I would look at I am not Dusty Baker. I actually happen to be a big Dusty Baker fan. Uh, I would love if the, the one silver lining for me, who is very clearly not an Astros fan, if the Astros do win the World Series this year, I would be extraordinarily happy for Dusty Baker. Uh, for no other reason than it just would be a wonderful cherry on top of what has been a very strange but very fruitful managerial career. Uh, I think that I would not bat straw lead off on the team right away. I think they're asking too much for him to, you know, he's probably to, to step into Springer's role on the field and in the lineup. Yeah. And to sort of put that pressure on it. Now, if he shows he's capable of doing it, you, I would I would move him up. But when you have someone like you have these stable veterans who, whatever anyone wants to say, have a World Series ring on their finger and have been there and have done that, like Bregman, Correa, and Altuve, to put that pressure on straw, even if it's coming up to Correa saying, look it, to start the year off, we may lead you off because a it'll get you a couple more at bats, and you know, and we need something to kickstart the offense. Straw is probably the long-term solution there, but I think that's smart from to say, let's see how you feel leading off. How because in the end, it really only affects inning number one. It's, it's time whenever your your time in the lineup comes up, and if Correa wants to take not only the superstar role with the Astros, which he clearly has the talent to be, but to be the spark plug and the leader of the team and filling that Springer void. This may be part of it for the good of the team. We need you to do this at least initially at the top of the, you know, the top of the season. And I would rather put that pressure on Correa than on miles straw right away. And uh, here, here's a quote from Dusty Baker after a game. I just now saw this. Dusty Baker said the two leading candidates to hit leadoff for the Astros are Miles Straw and Carlos Correa. Ah, well, that, well, that, and that makes sense to start it with Correa, and then you know, let, let Straw make sure he gets his sea legs in there. 
Um, I, and look, at, I think uh, it does not surprise me that there was something else going on with Altuve in a strange way that reminds me a little bit of when J.D. Drew had his first year with the Red Sox and there was a big in 2007 and he had a big dip in his production. A lot, a lot of people, including your pal Sully, uh, thought he was I didn't want J.D. Drew on the team. I thought he was going to be a bust. And I said, here I am. I'm right. And he wound up having a wonderful postseason. He hit the Grand Slam that helped sink the Indians. Had a great World Series against Colorado that year. And as it turns out, he was his son was like in like a full body cast. All, his son was like in a hospital all year long. Wow. And, you know, of course, you think of these players like baseball cards or on your fantasy team. But he's a dude with dealing with a child in the hospital all year. And of course, the next year, he wound up making the All-Star game, was the All-Star game MVP, had a fantastic postseason uh, with huge hits that they didn't go to the World Series again, but they got to the League Championship Series. And you saw like, oh, yeah, he was dealing with crap. He's a human being. And Jose Altuve, we think of him as, you know, as a baseball card. Like, no, he was dealing with something. And of course, last year was so weird anyway. That you know, so God, it's it's uh, late May and Jose Altuve is batting two nineteen. Well, maybe he'll turn it around. No, that's it. That's the end of the season. <laughs> you know, he would have had two thirds of a season to right the ship. Uh, so uh, I I have no doubt that Altuve is gonna go back to being an all star caliber hitter. Uh, I think Correa is a superstar and will play like one. And and we'll just see. The, I'm I'm not saying this is a doomsday thing, but there's a there's I, there's reading a lot about baseball in the '70s for this book I'm writing. When Tony Perez left the Reds after winning the '76 World Series, the Reds still had bench, uh, Rose, Concepcion, uh, you know, uh, Ken Griffey Sr. Uh, Cesar Geronimo, George Foster was the league MVP the year after Perez left. They brought in Tom Seaver, and yet they didn't click anymore. They fell. They, they, they fell to second place, and eventually the big red machine fizzled out. And it was a consensus amongst the red players was they thought they could replace Perez with Dan Dreesen and not miss a beat, but Perez did so more, so much more in that lineup than being, than his stats showed. And reading about 1972, the, the consensus throughout was, well, when Tony starts hitting, that's when we start winning. Mm-hmm. And when Tony gets cold, that's when we cool off. And I wonder if George Springer, this is going to be the test for this team, is George Springer one of those players who's bigger than the sum of his stats? Is he the person right. that, does he, the other players feed off of what he does? And who will fill that void beyond the statistical line, but that elements before and afterwards. And that's why I think it's smart for Dusty Baker to lean on Correa for that, because yeah. that's more than just filling the stats. That's filling the void that that Tony Perez was the equivalent of. Uh, on and that's what, that's what Correa kind of stepped into last year, where he, uh, after amidst all the scandal and everything, he kind of, uh, fought uh, all the media and he, he was fighting all the um, uh, what's that Dodgers player um, Cody Bellinger kind of a MVP Not, kind yeah of Cody Bellinger but the, the pitcher um, I can't think of his name oh, uh, right Joe now. Kelly Joe, Joe Kelly, Kelly yes. and yeah then and then the whole during the playoffs he, he kind of carried the whole Astros team and yeah. with the whole uh, just the whole bravado he embraced, that, the role. he embraced the role yeah. I thought and as, as, an Ast- as an Astros hater last uh, postseason i will tell you and you can listen to some of the lockdown mlbs i was praising correa saying like he gets it he understands and he's he's embracing it and hitting the big home runs and and walking the walk big time and you know when he got in framber valdez's face whenever he threw at i can't remember the guy's mm-hmm. name from yeah. um, i could picture him from tampa yeah um and you know framber started letting his emotions get the best subject and i mean that's that's one of my favorite pictures where Correa is just mm-hmm. putting his finger in his chest and saying, "You got to go out there and you got to lead. You can't let them get in their head, you know." And let me tell you, this city—not only at the beginning of the season, but at the end of the season—the tone towards Correa changed mm-hmm. because a year ago, 
it was like Correa's soft. Correa's always injured. He's yeah. not worth it. And all of a sudden, like, I think like any other fan base, it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. But I think not only that, but now he's taken it on. We have a local group that does like shirts and stuff. And Correa wore that H Town versus everyone, which I know you're not a big fan of. No, but, but I get, but he, but, but he but, took on that mantra and right. he owned it. And, and he if backed you, it up. And if you looked at what he did those games against the Twins, he sunk the Twins. He drove in 11 runs against the A's in four games. He got the walk-off home run against Tampa Bay. He not only had the bravado, but he was the straw that stirred the drink. And I'll just say this right here and also right now, the Astros would be certifiably insane not to sign him up for the long term because this, again, from an outsider point of view, Correa is and should be the Astros, the face of the Astros, and is probably the heart and soul of the Astros in a way that everyone from the outside thought Altuve was. And again, I'm not going to knock Altuve, you know, but, you know, Altuve was a fun story, him standing next to Judge. It looks like, you know, it looks like a scene from Lord of the Rings. Fine, but this, in terms of substance and talent and what he means to the team, Beyond the box score, Carlos Correa should be the face of this team. And for that reason, I'm out. Sorry, I just tried. I, I, I channeled my inner <laughs> shark tank right there. But um, no, I think that whatever it will, I think the two of them need to come up with an agreement because Correa's value will never be that high in any other franchise. And the Astros will never be able to replace what he would leave. So in some ways, they need each other and they better see that because he's going to be, he's on the verge of being uh, the most, one of the most beloved Astros of all time. I agree. It's, if he can be an Astro for life, the way that Bagwell and BGO was and to be able to have everything around there and to be part of, you know, to, to be the part of the team as they're bringing all these new young faces and there's a turnover from the, the, the 17 team to have him be the leader of that. And I think that that's no small role, but one that I think that he's more than capable of doing. Yeah, he's told uh, the Astros, he said, I want the extension done before the season starts and I don't want to deal with it during the regular season. And if if we don't do this, I'm a hit free agency. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll give you the chance to give me a deal, but I know what I'm worth. And I'm gonna get my money. If it's him. if it's with y'all, great. If it's with somebody else, be great. And I joked with um, uh, with uh, Brett the other day. I said, "Well, watch us uh, sign Corey Seager, and then the Dodgers sign Carlos Correa." <laughs> well, you know what? I've seen weirder stuff happen. I've seen weirder stuff happen. Well, hey, look at. Um, in conclusion, Your Honor, uh, I'm not gonna ask you to make a pick but i am going to ask you what would you consider a satisfying 2021 for this team eric world you want me series. To go first? Oh, world okay. series they've got to win a world series okay. uh, i that the uh the window is closing um not maybe not this year but as we see the the boys could be leaving pretty soon We've got uh, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Lance McCullers, Carlos Correa, all free agents. I know we still have part of the core, but uh, I know we still have part of the team here, but the core is uh, breaking apart a little bit. And uh, so I think that and Dusty Baker, this is one of his last chances to, with this team, I think that uh, the Astros have built a team to win. They've got to just uh, play some good baseball, and they've got to they've got to stay healthy. And uh, I know we've kind of briefly mentioned it earlier, but Jordan Alvarez's knees—they've got to stay healthy. He's got to be the same guy he was when he came up, um, and was it 2019? He's got to come up. He's got to crush. He's got to be that master. He's got to take up. He can't be George Springer, but he's got to come up, and he's got to just crush the ball, uh, see ball, hit ball. Yeah, I. I, I think for the Astros this year, um, nothing less than a fifth straight ALCS, and that should lead to an, to a World Series appearance. 
And I, I would like to say when, but I don't know how strong this National League is going to be. I don't know how strong the Dodgers and the Padres or whoever makes it to the World Series are going to be. Yeah, it's be tough. If the Astros can overcome just their shortcomings, like you said, the glaring holes, and they win a World Series, um, it will take the sting away from 2017. And I think these players, um, they deserve a World Series that's legitimate um, yeah. in the eyes of other fans. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in Houston, we'll still hold 2017 close to our heart because of what the year meant to us and what we went through that year. Mm-hmm. But for the, all the baseball world and these players and all the hard work they put into it, I think in their mind, anything less than a World Series win is a bust. Yeah, and I think that, and I'll just say my, my and, and one of the reasons why I started this podcast talking about how this is going to be an American League that is really bunched together. Um, get in and roll the dice. And the, and as you said, Eric, the, you know, with the exception of something like the Bobby Cox Braves or this run that the Dodgers have had recently or the Joe Torre Yankees, usually the window, the legit window of opportunity to win a title is about three or four years. You can thread it perfectly like the Royals did where they won back-to-back pennants and, and a title and got out. And no one will ever look, oh, look at that. They had a great run. It was a two-year run. That was their window of opportunity. But they, you know, they made they they made the best of it. Um, I think that this is really when you consider they made they almost made the ALCS in 2015 after you know tearing the team down in you know trading away the, anything that wasn't nailed down in 2012. By 2015, they nearly make the ALCS. They obviously had the run in 17, 18, 19. And last year, where they made the ALCS each year, I mean, it's a five, six-year window that they've had. And to expect more than that is being extraordinarily greedy. And uh, and unless some of these young players fill right in and you know and and take the mantle, then I'm thinking that and that's what happened with a lot of the Bobby Cox teams. A lot of times, those young players. Chipper Jones became the leader of the team as opposed to the young whippersnapper. Uh, this could very well be the, their last chance. So it's essentially get in and roll the dice because it's going to be a bunch of teams with between 92 and 88 wins. And it's basically who wins, who's going to represent the American League? Well, whoever gets hot for these two weeks. And, you know, and it almost doesn't matter if you get in as a wild card or if you get in as a division winner, get hot for two weeks and, uh, you know, take your best shot against the Padres, Astros, or Padres, Braves, Dodgers, or Cardinals, um, which I think are the four legit pennant contenders in the, in the, but you guys are legit contenders as well. So we gave you lots of opportunity to plug stuff at the top, but tell people where to listen to your podcast. You can listen to us at the Locked On Astros on Twitter, and you can find us on Spotify, Megaphone, uh, Radio.com, where else, Britt? YouTube. You can go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Um, If you love listening to us and you want to see our pretty faces and our handsome smiles, check us out and go listen to the um, Lance McCullers Jr. interview. It's 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 a great place to find us and on Instagram as well. All right, and you can follow us at the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and all the places you get your podcasts. Talking Astros in a positive way with Eric and H Town of Lockdown Astros. This has been Lockdown MLB for the 11th day of March, 2021. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.